Is this finally the year that West Virginia gets a victory over the Oklahoma Sooners as members of the Big 12 Conference? Pull up a chair, sit back, relax, and let Mountaineer Paul and I tell you all about it. What is up, college sports fans, Big 12 fans, and fellow members of Mountaineer Nation? This is Coos. Welcome in to another edition of Coos's Corner. To pull that chair up and let Mountaineer Paul and I serve you up this shot of top shelf college football content. If that's content, if that's the kind of content that you like, you need to hit that red subscribe button. If you haven't yet, please give me the thumbs up on this video. Please share it out with all of your college sports loving friends. And last but not least, drop a comment below and leave Paul and I your score prediction for the Oklahoma-West Virginia game coming up this Saturday, November the 12th, at 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, kicking off on FS1. The 5-4 and four Sooners are traveling in to Morgantown to take on the 3-6 and six West Virginia Mountaineers. Paul, give us your initial thoughts on this game, my friend. Well, it's a winnable game. I know, I know a lot of us are down on what the program and say the program, but you and I talked before the camera started rolling. We do feel like this is a winnable game. This is not your three to four year ago Oklahoma Sooners. And when we had Will Greer in 2018, we scored 55 on them and still can't beat them. It's not that team. They're still really good on offense. You're going to see a lot of similarities there. Mm -hmm. um, but they're not as opportunistic and don't have quite the athletes they usually have on defense, which I think we can move the ball on this team. This is probably outside of us, one of the next to worst defenses in the conference. So. I mean, there's definitely hay to be made. Yeah, absolutely. I, agree. I totally agree. If there's if there's been a year, and I actually was saying this before the season even started, if there's a year yeah. that we can beat Oklahoma, it's this one. Because I figured I expected them to be down a little bit. I didn't expect them to be down as much as they are. Uh, but they, you know, but I knew they'd be down a little bit, breaking in a whole new coaching staff, changing the culture the whole bit. But that being said, I didn't expect West Virginia to be where they are either. So you know, I'm still uh, concerned about the game, but at the same time, I do think it's winnable, like you said. Real quick, let's look at the odds of the game real quick um, for listeners out there who might be interested in that. The ESPN matchup predictor has West Virginia, or I'm sorry, Oklahoma, favored to win with a 58% chance. West Virginia with only a 42% chance to win. Now, when you look at the Vegas odds, Vegas has Oklahoma at minus eight, so an eight-point favorite, with the over-under on the game of, at 67 points. So, Paul, real quick, man, uh, what do you think about – are you surprised by that eight-point spread, or do you think that's about right? No, that's about right. You know, I think uh, outside of a couple games, we've had a bunch of close losses. And if you were going to throw some odds on how West Virginia was going to play, usually it's a close close loss. I mean, the Iowa State game was a close – you know, that was a really close game going into the fourth quarter. Um, and had our offense performed any at all, it would have been a very close game throughout. I don't think, you know, if we'd scored the ball a couple of times, I don't think Iowa State goes on quite the run they did in the fourth quarter, and that's probably a closer game. And then TCE was obviously a close game throughout. And we've had those kind of games all year. And, and it seems like, you know, outside of Tech and Texas, that's been the case. That's been, the you know, the calling card for the season. So not, not too surprised at all to see that. Yeah, I agree with that. And, I mean, it's a little telling to me on the state of the program when we have a five and four team coming into Morgantown, and we're at home, yeah, and you know we're home, and yet we're still eight point underdogs. So, but that being said, you know West Virginia, 
at home versus West Virginia on the road, two completely different football teams. I mean, we beat Baylor sure. at home. We gave the number – who's now the number four team in the country, TCU, everything they could handle at home and actually had a chance to win that game with less than five minutes to go. And uh, so, I mean, at home, this West Virginia team was just completely different. Now, before we get further into this video, I want to do something. I'm totally getting off, off track here, but I, I've been wanting to do this. I've seen a lot of talk on social media. I'm going to be at the game Saturday, and at least that's the plan. And I, I got a feeling there's going to be a lot of boos coming out for Coach Brown. Uh, and I, I just – I really don't like boos in the stadium. I don't like booing your own team. I know I know the boos are for the coaching staff or for the coach. But, guys, the players hear that stuff. And what do you, how do you think the players feel when they hear the crowd booing? So I'm asking Mountaineer Nation, please don't boo this Saturday at the game. I understand you get frustrated. I know the state of our program is not in a good place right now. But please don't boo. I just don't think it's a good look for us. We're known to be passionate fans, and that's great. But let's not take it too far. And I've even seen some rumors that there might be some people flying planes over the stadium with fire Neil Brown banners on them. That, that, that's, the way, that's just going too far, man. That's, that's not a good idea. The players are going to see that stuff. Uh, it's bad enough that we're, doing, we're negative on social media. Uh, we don't yeah. need to do it at the game inside the stadium. We're there to support the guys, support the team, and cheer them on. And let's do that and keep it positive inside the stadium on Saturday, please. That's that's my that's my rant and my request to Mountaineer Nation. Can I touch on that one real quick? Absolutely. Too? I've, I've yes. agree, I think I have a good point as well. Absolutely. Oklahoma, obviously one of the blue bloods in all of college football. If you were a coach and you can think of a game at home this year that you were going to have a recruiting weekend, bring some recruits in, what game would it be? Be this one. Absolutely. This one. So to your point. We're probably going to have some high-profile prospects here for this game. Don't want them to see that. The stadium is already talked about like it's not going to be full. That's already one strike. But luckily, we have the facilities, the culture. That one thing about Neil Brown, he's created a great culture. The facilities, the culture, and the in the locker room, I think, is still pretty tight knit to overcome uh, an empty stadium in a bad season. Mm-hmm. But you add on boo birds, planes flying over. That's enough to, to scare about anybody off. So, yeah. yeah, completely agree. Great point about the recruits. I, I, I meant to touch on that and forgot to. And, by the way, it's a true blue game. For those of you who are going, you're supposed to wear blue, and I'm wearing my blue uh, in this show kind of to celebrate that. But but real quick, too, before we get too far along, everybody, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't tell uh, let Paul tell you where you can find him at and, and about his channel. Oh, yeah. Now I'm here, Paul Talks Football. Um, love it over there. Um, actually just got the numbers back from YouTube. I was able to grow almost 350 subscribers in a month, actually less than a month. Cause I started after the pit game. Um, so, you know, those of you who already are subscribed there, I really want to thank you guys. It's, it's meant a lot to me and has really added an infusion into my life. So I really appreciate that. But yeah, that's where you can find me at. Awesome. And for you West Virginia basketball fans, Paul and I have teamed up together to do a channel called Hoops from the Hills. We're going to be covering mainly West Virginia basketball. We'll touch on a little Big 12 basketball. So uh, if, if you if you want Mountaineer basketball content, you're, we're going to ask you to go to that channel. We're going to try to keep – I'm trying to keep the football content and the basketball content separate here a little bit. So check us out over there. It's something Paul and I are – you know, we're also very passionate basketball fans. Uh, so, so we want to, and we, you know, we don't want to let the season go by without touching on Mountaineer basketball too, because um, there's a lot to talk about this season. So, come check us out on Hoops for the Hills. 
I will leave links to Paul's channel and the Hoops of the Hills channel in the description of this video. Now, let's get on with this game preview because I know that's what you're all here for. Uh, we touched on the odds for the game. Now, let's, let's look at the team stats real quick, and I'm going to share the team stats with you uh, as we talk about yeah. it. But, uh, I mean, when you look at the team stats, it kind of tells you the story of the season for both teams. I mean, numbers don't mm. lie. And uh, you'll see why West Virginia is struggling and why they are where they are, and that's the last place in the league. But All right, on the team stats real quick, you've got Oklahoma at 33.2 points per game, which is good for sixth in the Big 12, and that's actually good for 24th nationally. So that's how good the Big 12 offenses are this year. Uh, West Virginia is eighth in the league at 32.1 points per game. Points allowed per game, Oklahoma 29.8 a game, which is eighth in the conference. West Virginia giving up 34.2 points per game, which is 10th in the conference. So neither one of these defenses are setting the world on fire right now. So, we, you know, we could potentially see a lot of points scored in this game if the offenses are, are clicking. Total yards, Oklahoma 459.3 a game, third in conference. West Virginia 409.6, which is ninth in the conference. Yards passing, Oklahoma 239.6 a game, which is eighth in the conference. I'm sorry, West Virginia 248.2, which is sixth in the conference. Yards rushing, Oklahoma 219.8 a game, first in the conference. And that surprised me because I, I expected them to have better passing numbers than running numbers, but that's actually not the case. Uh, yeah, we'll, t we'll touch on individual players in a minute, but their running back Eric Gray has a lot to do with that. And then, you know, don't forget they're Dylan so Gabriel deep. Can hurt you with, yeah, Dylan Gabriel can hurt you with his feet as well. And then West Virginia's averaging one sixty one point three yards per game, which is seventh in the league. Then you look at yards allowed. West uh, Oklahoma's giving up four hundred thirty five point two yards a game, which is eighth in the conference. West Virginia giving up four hundred fourteen yards a game which is seventh in the conference. So, there again, another one of these teams are setting the world on fire defensively. Passing yards allowed, 235.3 for Oklahoma. Fifth in the conference, West Virginia, 276.7. Eighth in the conference, and then rushing yards allowed, 199.9 for Oklahoma. Tenth in the league. And West Virginia, 137.3. Fourth in the league. So, Oklahoma the game. is the best. Yeah, absolutely. Oklahoma is the best rushing offense in the league. And the worst rushing defense in the league. So, um, yeah. I mean, that right there is a, a huge, huge statistic, in my opinion. It is. So, uh, real quick, Paul, what do you think about those stats, man? Man, you know, looking at, well, listen, I, I was looking at Oklahoma's running back room coming into this. They go four deep in that running back room. They got four running backs with four or more touchdowns. Wow. Like, they're super deep in that room. And that would be, you know, exactly why, you know, we can go to the individual players here in a few, but that's why there are, you know, offensive rushing game is so good. Uh, you mentioned Dylan Gabriel, a huge part of that. But, you know, they're disappointed in that defense this year. I think a lot of them thought, and we'll go over the players in a minute, some of these players uh, were going to perform better. And actually they've had some backups uh, that have ascended and are kind of like Arshon Martin. You know, how he started the year, and now he's a starter. Similar yeah. to that, uh, who have played better than they thought they would. Right. Yeah. But, and, yeah, but, shocked to this, see that they averaged 200 a game. Yeah, that was that – was I, I was shocked at that too, man, because uh, I expected to see, you know, higher passing. I mean, I've watched a little bit of Oklahoma football this year, but not a ton. Uh, and I just – you know, with Dylan Gabriel behind center, 
I thought, you know, they're probably throwing a rock around. And, you know, with Jeff Levy's offense, the way he, you know, likes to throw the ball, throw the ball I yeah. figured they would have a lot more passing uh, or be doing better passing the ball than running the ball. But some other key stats I want to touch on that might kind of might run off the radar, under the radar a little bit. Penalties. These are the two most penalized teams in the Big 12. They're ninth and 10th. Uh, Oklahoma or West Virginia is ninth in the or I'm sorry, Oklahoma's ninth in the league in penalty yards a game. West Virginia's last in penalty yards a game. Another key statistic that I think is going to be important is red zone offense. Oklahoma struggles to score the ball in the red zone. Uh, and I think that might be a reason they're, they're you know, struggling a little bit this year in some games, which is kind of funny because usually teams that run the ball really well score well in the, in the red zone. So I'm a little confused as to what their struggles are there. Any Oklahoma fans watching this, let us know in the comments. What has been the issue in the red zone for the Sooners this year? Because they're running the ball well, but yet their red zone offense is 10th in the league. They're only, they're only scoring 87.9% of the time they're in the red zone. Interesting. And I don't understand that. That just that's that, that's that's a stat that just intrigues me based on their ability to run the football. And then West Virginia's red zone defense is fourth in the league. They're on, they're allowing touch or scores on eighty four percent of their opponent's possessions inside the red zone. So, red zone scoring and uh, running and stopping the run are going to be keys in this game for both teams. Uh, and penalties, like I said, the two most penalized teams in the league, and that probably explains why they're sitting where they are uh, in, in the standings right now. Yeah. Not a whole lot of turnovers from each team on defense either. Not opportunistic right. at all. And right. I'm sure yeah. if we had looked at the turnover differential, if you, I don't know if you have the numbers, I don't, but I'm sure if we looked at turnover differential for each team, which I usually do and I forgot to, I would say both are probably at the bottom of the league. Oklahoma's turnover margin is one, plus one. Not good. No, whereas West Virginia's minus four, so even worse. So yeah, another one of these teams take a whole lot of take advantage of a lot of turnover opportunities. Uh, let's talk about some key players real quick. Obviously, we'll talk about the main. You know, uh, everybody wants to talk about the skill position guys. Dylan Gabriel, quarterback for Oklahoma, was one fifty one out of two thirty five passing, two thousand twenty seven yards, sixteen touchdowns, to only four picks. JT Daniels is 193 out of 315, 2,042 yards, 13 touchdowns, eight picks. Yeah. So not a great touchdown-interception ratio there. No. <laughs> and Paul and I have talked about this at nauseum. Uh, you know, JT Daniels is a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But I just don't think he's getting enough help around him right now. Uh, and I personally would like to see Garrett Green get more snaps so that we can get a quarterback in there that can make, make something happen with his feet. Because this offense needs a spark, and you know a running quarterback can bring you a spark like that. What do you think about that, Paul? Oh, you know I'm you're right up my alley on that. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see JT Daniels bench. To be honest, I mean I've been calling for that, um, but like I've said many times, it's not really because of him. It's not an indictment on him as much as it is as the talent around him. It's just his skill set doesn't mesh with the kind of team we have this year. We're more of a run we're probably a better running team than we are a passing team. Mm -hmm. We have possession receivers all around and a mm -hmm. slot receiver that's inconsistent in Sam James. He blows up one week, another week he doesn't. Then we hear Neil Brown say, uh, you know, uh, uh, the week against TCU that he was open all day long and that JT didn't find him. So it's like there's the inconsistency on both parts there. Yeah. 
One thing about Gabriel I thought that was real interesting was looking at his splits. In the third quarter, he is completing 68.5% of his passes, six touchdowns to one pick. That's coming right out of halftime. So it tells you this team is still really good at adjustments, and this probably has something to do with that connection between he and Jeff Levy coming back from UCF. Yeah, very true. Very true. Uh, That's a great stat right there. That's interesting. When you look at uh, the rushing yards here, Eric Gray, fourth leading rusher in the Big 12. I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew he was a good back. Didn't realize he was fourth in the conference. But he's carried yeah. the ball 140 times for 902 yards and eight scores. Yep. C.J. Donaldson, the leading rusher for West Virginia. Unfortunately, he's out the rest of the season, but he's still the leading rusher. 87 carries, 526 yards, eight scores. West Virginia will be getting Tony Mathis back, who's really not far off of Donaldson's pace and yardage, so he'll probably pass Donaldson, actually, this game. Uh, but, but Tony Mathis will be back, and then we have Justin Johnson as well that will be carrying the ball some for the Mountaineers. And then yeah. receiving Marvin Mims Jr., another great receiver. The team this team has to face his second in the Big Twelve in receptions. Uh, or I'm sorry, receiving yards. He's got 38 receptions, 678 yards, and four t- touchdowns. And then Bryce Ford Wheaton for West Virginia is uh, fourth in the Big Twelve actually in receiving yards. He has 51 catches, 605 yards, and six touchdowns. So two good receivers for these teams. Uh, once again, this defensive secondary they've had to, they will have had to face Quentin Johnston. Xavier Hutchinson and Marvin Mims, three straight weeks, the top three receivers in the conference. So Yeah. <laughs> and Braden Willis, the tight end, who's caught 25 yeah. balls for 347 yards and five touchdowns. You know, he's probably, in my opinion, their most dangerous weapon. We've been killed up the seam all year long. Our seam's just getting hit, been getting hammered all season long. It's like that's a linebacker issue. Obviously, people create mismatches on a linebacker or a safety. The seam getting attacked, and it's unfortunate, you know. But um, so I worry about uh, Braden Willis. Right. And then uh, to touch on some defensive players here, real quick. First for West Virginia, obviously, uh, obviously, you know, our horse is Dante Steels. He's a star. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's uh, has 21 total tackles on the year, three and a half sacks. Uh, you know, so he so he's doing really having another solid year. But really, with Dante, his stat line may not blow you away all the time because he gets double teamed a lot. And uh, he does. He, him being double teamed allows for his teammates to make plays, um, which has allowed you know people like Jordan Jefferson, Sean Martin, that you mentioned earlier, to make some plays. And it's allowed Lee Coba to come up from the linebacker spot. He's our leading tackler this year with 58 total tackles on the year. Also has a couple sacks. So uh, he flies around a lot. Now, Coba's had some struggles in the passing game. Uh, he's gotten burned a lot. You were mentioning that earlier, but he does fly to the football. I love his energy. I love you know he's fast. Yeah. He can get to the ball if he can just if he can. He just, can only get better. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know he 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 came from a junior college, spent a, a year or two at Syracuse, didn't play a lot, went to JUCO route, blew tore it up and at, at the JUCO level, came back to the uh, Power Five level to play for West Virginia, and I think next year he has a he has the potential to be an absolute stud. Because uh, I think the, the the physical ability is there, he just needs to. I think he just needs to get more comfortable in the offense, and and, and over time that will happen. Uh, you know, he's he's out of position a lot, but he's got the speed to recover to make up for it. So that's kind of the two, and and of course our defensive secondary is going to be key in this game. Hopefully Charles Woods will be healthy. Uh, in his press conference earlier in the week, Neil Brown said he was questionable. I think I think he said questionable. So. 
Uh, <sighs> Charles Woods makes a huge difference, man, uh, on our defense back there. He's just a, he's a lockdown corner, but he's battling yeah. he's battled injuries all year. Has missed most of the season already with injuries, and just can't stay healthy. Yeah, I'd almost rather saw him just redshirt, you know. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure he's probably got his eye on the NFL, um, his measurables and everything. When he goes to test, I have a feeling he's going to test really well. I think Charles Woods is going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I believe that in my heart. Yeah, I think he has the ability to do it. If he, but like you know, it, durability is very important. So hopefully, these injuries, this string of injuries he's dealing with right now, won't hurt his draft stock. Um. Real quick, who were some key defensive players on the Oklahoma side, Paul, that uh, you want to talk yeah. about real quick? Uh, well, you know, this is a defense that's 111th nationally, which is not good. They've allowed 35 touchdowns, 3,917 yards, close to 4,000 yards they've allowed. Um, Ethan Downs was somebody, I think he's a sophomore, 6'4". Um, I, you know, I was talking to a guy on Mark, Mark Rogers' show the other day that said, you know, he was looked upon as supposed to be the impact player this year, even though he's only a sophomore. Apparently, he has an abundance of talent, uh, and he, he just hasn't quite grown into that yet. Uh, maybe hitting that sophomore wall, which you hear about a lot. But Jalen Redman uh, has been a guy for them that has really stepped up. And then also the defensive end, Grimes, who has four sacks on the defensive line. Uh, Stussman at the linebacker spot's been really good. With uh, 40 solo tackles, 70, uh, what is it, 77 or 70 overall? Yeah, um, 77, and I think. Then, and then they've got – they go really deep at the defensive back spot with, with uh, Davis, Bowman, uh, Lar- uh, Key Lawrence, who I think is probably the best player in that secondary. He's got 25 tackles, two forced fumbles and interceptions and, and uh, three passes defended. And then uh, – I think there's just uh, a lot of that, you know, the Venables defense is just so hard to learn. I think that's a lot to do with it. They've had to simplify a lot similar to us. Mm-hmm. And obviously they've been gutted, you know, talking to him. I asked that guy yesterday at Mark Rogers show about their defense. And he said, you know, people, the offense got all the pub, but the defense got gutted too. In the transfer yeah. Board. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they yeah. lost uh, two of their, two or a couple of their, better all-time players in the last six, eight years on the defensive side, on the linebacker spot, so um, and the safety spot. So they've, you know, like, like us, attrition, you know, and, and when you get gutted like they did, uh, you know, they lost a lot of four- and five-star talent. Um, you start hitting, you know, you lose four- and five-star talent, and you got to replace that with JUCO guys. Um, obviously, that's when you're going to see a big difference. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And – uh all right, now let's let's move over, Paul, and talk about our keys to victory for each team. Uh, for me, for West Virginia, it's it's, and, and you know we can touch on either one of them. Uh, but for West Virginia, I think here's the keys. I think number one, they need to get pressure on Dylan Gabriel, and I think they can because another interesting stat I found is Oklahoma is eighth in the Big Twelve in sacks allowed. They're give, they've given up eighteen sacks this season already, so they are prone to give up sacks. So if West and I think West Virginia, I would like to see Jordan Leslie dial up a little bit more pressure than he normally does. Now you do that, you're leaving your at risk of leaving your corners on an island. Sometimes we know that, but if if he can dial up some pressure and get some pressure on Dylan Gabriel, now Dylan Gabriel, I'm not saying you know he's probably not going to turn the ball over, but if you can get some sacks on him, 
keep him contained in the pocket. And then uh, on the offensive side, Oklahoma's only ninth in the conference in sacks, uh, you know, on their side. So they've only sacked the quarterback nine times defensively. Interesting. Uh, so West Virginia's offensive line should be able to keep JT Daniels clean they sh- and allow him to make some plays in the pass game. So hopefully he can take this per- – well, I don't even think it's questionable, the worst performance of his career that he had last week and turn turn around and have a good performance this week against the Sooners. And I think the offensive line should be able to give him the time to do that because our offensive line has, in my opinion, has done a pretty decent job keeping him clean this year. Um, mm-hmm. But I think those are two big things. I think getting getting pressure on defense for West Virginia and then keeping JT Daniels clean on the offensive side are going to be key. And obviously, I say this every time, West Virginia needs to be able to run the football because when, when, our, offense, when our offense doesn't run the football, we are absolutely stagnant. Yes. So if they can't establish a running game, and I think having Tony Mathis back this week should help with that from a leadership perspective. Uh, Justin Johnson played well last week. Uh, he, did. he just didn't get much help. But having Correct. Tony Mathis back and having that extra leader on the field is, is, is crucial, in my opinion, especially for a team that's facing adversity. Uh, and for Oklahoma, my keys for Oklahoma, then I'll let you give your keys. But my keys for Oklahoma is uh, basically the same. They, they, need, they need to run the ball well. But I think more, most importantly for them, making plays down the field. I think if Oklahoma can make some big plays down the field with Marvin Mims uh, and that, you know, that Gabriel Mims connection, with, I, I think they would be able to because West Virginia has shown that they will give up some big plays. And that tight end you mentioned earlier, uh, making some plays down the seam to him, I think that will be important for Oklahoma to do. And then Oklahoma needs to score the ball in the red zone offensively too. They need to pick up an improved red zone offense. And defensively, uh, I think they need to shut down West Virginia's running game. If they can shut down West Virginia's running game, I think they I think they win the game. That's that's I think if they can allow uh, keep West Virginia's rushing under 100 yards, Oklahoma wins this game. Now, what do you what what are your keys to victory? Yeah, I mean we're not going to be too far apart on a lot of this. You know, similar to the Texas Tech game, I felt like going into that game, time of possession is going to be a big deal. And, you know, and this is not Texas Tech's defense. Texas Tech has a very good to underrated defense, you know. Um, Oklahoma ranks 10 for a reason in rush defense. Um, feed Tony and Justin the ball, control the clock, control the clock, control the clock, yeah. control the clock, control the clock. We have to control the clock in this game. Uh, we have to steal possessions in this game. And, hey, if we can get a couple turnovers, I think turn runner turnover differential, uh, you know, when you're talking about two teams that are really bad in that area, is going to be a big deal. So I'll say control the clock for West Virginia, uh, turnover differential, two big deals. For Oklahoma, it's easy for me. Yeah, explosive plays, that's probably what they do. Uh, Eric Gray running the ball, you know, I think TCU kind of exposed us. We had been really good against the run up until that game. Mm-hmm. And then you think about the two specialists they have, and Zach Schmidt and Michael Turk. Probably the two best, especially as a combo, the best in the conference. Mm -hmm. And so I think winning the special teams battle, uh, being able to flip the field on special teams if and when we do get a stop um, will be very important in this game. And and obviously that guy can kick it from anywhere, um, even at Mountaineer Field, which is traditionally a pretty tough place to kick beyond 50. Um, Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that, man. I, I, those are some great keys. Uh, and I think you hit the nail on the head with them, man. I really do. So, uh, All right, now, 
Now's the time to give our score predictions. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I'm going to let you go first, Paul. What do you think? What is your score prediction? For, you know, who wins first off, obviously, and then what, by what score do you think they win by? You know, I'm going to go with my heart on this one. I'm going to say the Mountaineers figure out a way to do it. 40 to 37. They rally behind Neil Brown. Um, you know, I, I think it's not only just us, but like, I think even the players feel bad for Neil and what he's had to go through. It's been rough, you know, and I'm not saying he hasn't earned some of that, but he certainly doesn't deserve it. You know, he's such a good dude and then he's done been such a good, good guy for our team. Um, I would love nothing more than to see him win out and be successful at West Virginia. Um, I get a little bit emotional talking about it because it means so much, but um, so I, I really hope that's what happens. And I, I'll say 40, 37 Mountaineers. I think we control the clock, um, but you know, we're probably not going to be able to stop them. So when they do have it, they're going to score, but I think control the clock enough to win. Yeah. Well, I'm picking with my head, not my heart. Um, West, this is a winnable game. West Virginia can win this game. But this seems like a team to me that is just so uh, – I mean, I think they've regressed, to be honest with you, from the beginning of the year to now. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know if they just – they're so much on the film now that other teams have figured out how to stop us. I don't know what it is, but the team just doesn't seem to be in a good place. Uh, it is at home, so that makes me feel a little better. But still, I just don't think this team is going to be able to – uh, do what it takes to win, and I hate to say it because I love them, and I hope I'm. If, if we're if if we win, I I will gladly eat crow. Oh, yeah. I think Oklahoma wins the game thirty-seven to twenty-seven. I think uh, Oklahoma's going to put up some points. I think our defense will play. I think it'll be similar to the Iowa State game. I think our defense will play good enough to win through two or even three quarters of the game. But I think our offense is going to sputter a little bit at times, and have to give the ball back to them too much, and it's going to wear our defense out. And I think at the you know late in the game our defense is going to be worn out and they're going to give up some big plays, and I just don't think our offense is going to be able to keep up because I just they're just too inconsistent. So thirty-seven twenty-seven Oklahoma is my prediction. So I think Oklahoma wins and covers. I t- I really hope I'm wrong on this, but but hey, uh, you know time will tell. Time will tell. You know, and uh, one other thing about that too is you know. Man, now would be a really good time for Neil Brown to get one of these monkeys off his back. There are so many stats that go against him, one of them being he's never won how many games in the Rokus? Three. Three, right. Never won three games in a row. Got to do it. You know, and um, a lot of people feel like you got to do it to save his job. It starts Saturday against Oklahoma. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and monkey off his back to beat Oklahoma for the first time and for West Virginia to beat Oklahoma for the first time. Since entering the league, and like he said, his absolutely, time, yeah. That maybe they don't have the record they normally have, but it's still Oklahoma. They're still a blue blood program, and they've still got four and five star talent on that on that team. So it means something. Absolutely, it means something. And I think the guys will come out. I think the guys will come out and, and play hard. I I don't question that they'll have the effort on Saturday. I don't question that they'll come out, uh, you know, fired up and ready to play. I just I just be straight frank with you. I don't think. I just think they're better than us, and I'm just being honest. Let me ask you this: Do you think yep. if Garrett Green, if Garrett Green played, do you do, would you give us a better chance to win this game, or is it just an unknown because we haven't seen him play? I think it's an unknown to a point, but I I, I do think 
Yeah, I, I do. Because as we've seen, Oklahoma is not good at stopping the run. And he just gives you another dimension of that running attack, man. And he, you know, the zone read would actually speed. work. What's that? <laughs> the zone read might actually work. Yeah, the, the run pass option with a running quarterback might actually work. But yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we have a better chance to win, man. Maybe that's not fair to say. Uh, but I, here's what here's what I think. I think start JT Daniels. He's been your guy. Stick with him. But if you get two, three quarters in the game and he's still not performing, I think you make a change, man. I really do. And kudos to some of our media members who questioned Neil Brown on that at the press conference on Tuesday. You know, uh, our media has taken some heat from, from some of us about not asking tough questions. They asked some tough questions on Tuesday. Uh, and kudos to Brown for answering them. The only thing he he he'll, they ask him questions about JT's health, and he'll say, "Well, you got to talk to JT." But then they don't like give JT available media availability. So, <laughs> yes, that well, that's a little bit ship. that's that's a little bit uh, ridiculous. But uh, right. So I, I I personally think JT may have some. I think he may be banged up a little bit. Honestly, they're just not saying it because you can watch him play, and he's you watch the quarterback that played the first two or three games of the season till now. It's like a different guy. I mean, it is. And I so remember that's him my having that ice pack, ice pack on his shoulder uh, against Texas, and I think he's got something going on. Sure. So is that an indictment on our quarterback room then? You know, because that's what it makes me think. I don't think it is. You know what I think it is? I think it's our coach is unwilling to make a change. It's not the first time. You're right. You're right. He is extremely, extremely loyal. And I think it times yeah. to a fault. That's 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 in coaches and players. Yes, you know? absolutely. And I I, I think, uh, do I think J T. Daniels is the most talented quarterback on the team? Yes, I do. But do I, I think he gives us the best chance to win today? I'm not necessarily because, like you said earlier, it's it's a skill set issue, and it's uh, it's just you know what he has around him. Yeah, uh, and the, and the team just needs a spark, and, and Garrett Green. And it ain't just his ability. The guy plays with a – I mean, he plays with so much energy and enthusiasm. His hair's on fire. Yes, and I think this team needs that right now. That's what they need. They need a fire lit under them, and I think Garrett Green is the guy that can do it. And I'll be honest with you. If I'm Garrett Green and I don't get my chance this year, I, I think I'm, I'm leaving and going somewhere else by the end, at the end of the season. And I, I hate to say yeah. it because I'm not asking him to do that. I don't want him to do it. But I'll be honest with you. I don't think he's. I don't think he's being given a fair shake. He hasn't been given a fair shake. You're correct. Um, you know, uh, I mean, he's had a handful of snaps in his career, uh, and you know, and the thing is, is he outplayed JT last week in garbage duty. Yeah, it was garbage duty, but man, he went. You know, just looked so fluid and good. Throw to the back of the end zone looked really nice. Back up, at the end of the day, look, the backup quarterback is the most popular quarterback on every team's roster, not yeah. named, you know, Tampa Bay or Green Bay. And even those those teams have, you know, people that – detractors yeah. that would want the backup. But yeah. um, I truly believe that because I'll be honest, you know, the first couple games of the season, I was on the JT bandwagon. Absolutely. Oh, I was and the, if it's I an injury thing, was. then I've judged, I've misjudged him and probably unfairly, but I only know what I know, 
you know, and I can look at pro football focus and it tells me everything I need to know. And it says he's playing like a backup. Yep. You know, so yeah. until, and, and it's probably dropped. I haven't even looked at it since last week. Yeah. I don't, I'm like you, I don't, I don't, I, th- I think it might be an injury deal. And if it is, he shouldn't be playing. And I just, you know, last year I defended coach Brown just with passion against others out there, voice of Morgantown mainly about, because he preached and preached and preached that Garrett Green should be put in the game over Jarrett Daigie. And I defended that. I said, no, Jarrett Daigie's a better quarterback. Garrett Green's not ready. Garrett Green's not ready. And I think that was true to, to an extent. But now I look back on it, maybe I was wrong. And then also, this year I definitely think he deserves a chance because we're three and six, man. <laughs> what do we, At this point, we have nowhere to go but up, right? So, yeah, I, I just don't know what. Here's here's my like I said. I think you start JT, and if you see even even through the first couple series, if you see he's not himself, take him out of the game. Whether it's an injury, whether yeah. it's lack of performance, whatever, and put Garrett in the game and give Garrett a chance to run the team. You you you've never given him a chance to run the team. Yet maybe he doesn't read the defense just perfect. Okay, but the kid let the kid go play. Some guys are just – some guys are like Scholar Howard. Scholar Howard was just a winner, man. He wasn't the yeah. perfect quarterback. He wasn't the most accurate quarterback we've ever had. Heck, sometimes he looked terrible throwing the football as far as his accuracy. But the kid won. He was tough. He was he was just a football player. And I, I, I see a lot of that in Garrett Green, man, and I really would love for him to get a, get a chance to show that on, on a Saturday. And I think, you know, like I said, maybe he doesn't read it right. Maybe he – he he may not be perfect all the all the intangible all the all the tangible tangible things, but I think it's the intangibles and his athleticism and his passion and his energy that could propel this t- this team. That's just how I feel. Yeah, I, I'm not against it at all. But I mean, if it's up to me and I had my brothers, um, especially if this week is a loss, I, I'm putting either Nico or Goose in, whoever you think the future is. If it's Garrett Green, Garrett Green. But whoever you think the future is has to start next week if we lose this week. There, You know, there's no point in throwing JT Daniels out there for a team that's only capable of winning five games starting next week. You know, unless unless you're just so loyal that you want him to have all the tape he can for the league, which is just ridiculous. You know, but, yeah, we'll see uh, that, that, after that, this that week. Would- that that's putting one player ahead of the rest of the team, in my opinion. Yeah. And the future of the program. Yeah. Would it not be? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but it would. Anyway, and that, there'll be videos made to... about it. <laughs> there <laughs> will be there. videos made about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. This has been fun. Paul and I always have a have a fun time chatting it up about West Virginia football. I hope Paul's right and I'm wrong. I hope West Virginia can come out and pull out a victory. I just, you know, I don't have a whole lot of faith in it just by the way they're playing. But, uh, you know, just trying, like I said, I'm trying to pick with my head and be realistic here. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be I there do. Saturday, and I hope they prove me wrong. Uh, once again, fans, please be respectful. Please don't be booing. Please don't be yelling fire Neil Brown or any of this garbage uh, while the game's going on or before the game because players hear it, recruits hear it, and there's going to be recruits at this game. Don't do anything that's going to jeopardize the future of our program. You know, uh, whether Neil Brown stay, keep, remains keeps his job or not, we don't need that stuff going towards our players. Uh, 
they're play they're, they're young men. They're not professionals. But that being said, uh, Paul, you got any parting words? I think you said it well. Show up, show out for the Mountaineers. You know, we can't. We're not known as being fair weather fans. That's just not who we are. You know, so I think showing up and showing out if you can, supporting how you can, is the best option always. Um, negativity has a place, but it's rare. You know, I think uh, overall an overarching positivity is the way to go and supporting our kids, you know, because they are kids at the end of the day. Yep. All right. Well said. Everybody go check Paul's channel out, Mountaineer Paul Talks Football. Uh, check our basketball channel out, Hoops from the Hills. With that being said, everybody, we appreciate you tuning in. And until the next show, Two Country Roads.